And so this is specific right here. Uh, Jesus, the, 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 the last few days before his crucifixion, entered into the city riding on the donkey, just like this says. So this is prophetic, talking about his first coming to this earth. Now, there's also some cultural truths, as we said, to the people of that day about this prophecy. Though the people that are, that are hearing what Zechariah is saying or writing at the time are not going to be around when it comes to pass. It is still a source of encouragement to them because they're living in a time where things are not all that great. Things aren't all that good. And good news is, is, is always something that is appreciated just like it is to you. So for these people, they were looking forward to a Messiah. They were looking forward to Jesus who was going to come and save them from their sins and save their, their descendants from their sins. They're looking forward to. Now, they're living under a dispensation of the law and not grace. So they're being saved by their adherence and obedience to the law. But they're looking forward to this prophecy that's coming. At some point, Jesus is going to be born and that, 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 that law is going to be lifted and those people are going to be living in the dispensation we live in, which is grace, whereby they'll be able to repent of their sins, have the Holy Spirit dwell in them, and, and, it, and it won't be any, any easier to live for the Lord. In fact, it will make the, those in this dispensation even more responsible than those then. Uh, because we're held to a higher standard. But in some senses, it's going to make it a little bit easier. And so this is a prophecy that these people of Zechariah are excited to receive. And that prophecy is saying Jesus is coming. He is going to come at this point in Scripture. And, there, and he is also prophesying, Zechariah prophesies in this passage, some good things are going to happen to Israel uh, on down the road. Jesus is going to come. Also, some other things are going to happen. What is it? He's saying, at some point, I'm going to set you captives of Israel free. Because Israel, if you study their history, are in and out of bondage and captivity all the time because of their sin. They're all the time being taken over. They're all the time being imprisoned. They're all the time being enslaved. And so he is saying to them, there's coming a day that I'm going to set the captives free. And at that point, he said, I'm going to return to you double blessings. And I will continue to use Israel as my chosen people. And I'm going to stir you up against your enemies and I will use you like a warrior's sword. Now that is a good prophecy to the people that received it that day because in captivity or in the place that they're in at that particular time, boy, good news is good to receive. They said somebody might look at his wife that day and say, may not happen in our lifetime, but I'm thankful to know that maybe in my children's or my grandchildren's or my great grandchildren's day, this word is going to be received and God still has his hand upon our people as a whole. That's good news. But it means something more to us today because we don't live under those same constraints, do we? We're not living in that same type situation. But it's spiritually still true and applicable to us as well. And I'm going to show you how this morning. I'm going to talk about the eyes of God. Two weeks ago, we talked about what a victorious believer looks like. Do you remember that? If you were here two weeks ago, wave at me. We talked about a victorious believer will be known because his salvation experience 
will be three things. It will be, it's going to be uh, clear to everybody. It's going to be noticeable to everybody. And it's going to be pure to everybody. And that's what a victorious believer will look like. So then last week, we, we, we went on a little further. We said, now, when a victorious believer lives like a victorious believer, something's going to happen. All of a sudden, they're going to, to start inviting the Holy Spirit in their life. And they're going to encounter Holy Ghost heat. And Holy Ghost heat is going to cause snakes to come out of hiding where they've been. And, and snakes are going to bite us. Anybody remember last week's message? The snake's going to bite you. Now, the snake can, can hurt you, but it can't harm you. It can't, it can't completely destroy destroy you. It, it, it might, you know, when you crush its head with your heel, uh, that, that hurts a little bit, but there's not going to be a long-term lasting effect. However, it does hurt when the snake bites. And so we spent a lot of time around the altars last week throwing snakes in fire, and we had a time. How many of y'all remember last week's time around these altars? It was incredible. Amen? Just, um, just like an, an outpouring, just an amazing outpouring and miraculous things that God did as we stood around that fire and watched those snakes uh, be destroyed. It was an amazing, amazing day. Now let's keep going. This is week three. Because I don't want in the process of this to leave anybody behind. Because we still may have a few folks without me being, without me being negative, uh, pardon my, my uh, definition of where they may be, but we may still have some stragglers. We may still have a few folks that are a little bit behind and are saying, you know what, I, I'm not where y'all are at. Y'all are shouting the victory and I'm still being bit. I'm still trying to become a victorious believer. I, I'm still trying to get snakes out from off my hands and in, under my feet where they belong. I'm still struggling. I'm not where you're at. And so I think now this word became, becomes pertinent to you. Now, some of you are saying, well, Pastor, what about the rest of us that are rejoicing? Does that mean we get to go to sleep? No, because this is going to be a word for you too. We start talking about these eyes of God. I want you to write these points down. I want you to cling to this word. Because through Zechariah, way before the birth of Jesus, Jesus spoke this word to you. It wasn't just to the Israeli people. This is your word. Say that. This is my word. I don't normally make you do that. I just want you to say that because I want you to get it in your mind that this is not going to be for somebody else. This is going to be for you. This is God's word for me today. I'm going to list for you the eyes of God. The first eye of God is this that I want you to write down. God's invention. The eye of God, the invention. I stands for invention. What is the invention of God? There have been a lot of awesome inventions throughout the history of mankind. How excited were people the first time they saw the wheel? It's not a big deal to us today, is it? Think about folks sitting around that just figured out how to build a fire and somebody said, I have an idea about how to make our job easier. Instead of dragging all these logs, why don't we create these couple of round things and then we can put something on top of it and drag these logs. The will. The will was a good invention. 
we joke about things sometimes. We say, you know, it, uh, we talk about sliced bread. The invention of sliced bread. How about electricity? How dependent are we now upon something that didn't even exist a couple hundred years ago? 150 years ago. Some of you historians could tell me when that exactly was, but I don't need to know right now. You've always got that person in the crowd that's sticking to the details that wants to stand up and holler, you idiot, it was April of... Well, you weren't there anyway, so hang on to that and tell me after church. Electricity. The invention of electricity. How dependent are we upon it today? And I'm going to tell you something right now. I like it. I've been to other places and been in other countries where that they didn't have electricity or they only had it at certain times. And some of you guys have been with me on those trips where that we would lay down at night with air conditioners on because it's close to 100 degrees outside and about 2 o'clock in the morning the generators kick off because people say, well, you're asleep anyway. But it wakes you up when they go off. Bam! You know, it's like somebody's ran into the building with their car and then you just lay there hot waiting for 6 o'clock to come the next morning. When you can get up and get outside where it'll cool off a little bit. I like electricity. I'm going to tell you right now, I, you know, I, I, in the wintertime around here, I am, I'm not worried about snow. You know, what, you know what frightens me? I'm not afraid of spiders in the dark and all that kind of stuff. I'm afraid we're going to have an ice storm. And the power lines are going to get more than a tenth of an inch of ice on them, and they're going to fall and crack like they did a few years ago. You remember what that was like? Any of y'all remember what that was like around here a few years ago? And I'm going to have to go outside with a chainsaw. That's what I'm afraid of. Man. But I'll tell you something about all of these inventions of man, as awesome as they may be. How many of you today, if someone were to come in here and say, electricity is going to go away if we don't fight? There's not going to be electricity. We need someone to shed their blood we need someone to die today so that everybody else will have electricity tomorrow. How many of y'all line up and say, well, I'll be willing to make that sacrifice? No. As much as we like it, we're not going to die for electricity. Am I right? What will we die for? Freedom. You know who invented freedom? God. It's the first eye. Freedom is the first invention of God. Satan has tried to pervert that like everything else. So Satan came along and said, hey, if you really want to be free, don't worry about serving God. If you want to be free, do whatever you want. Live like the devil. I mean, do, indulge your body in every single way that you want. Don't worry about it. You can be free. But we all know that have tried that. That's not freedom at all. You're not free when you're sick. When you've destroyed your body and you're dying. That's not freedom. But Jesus came and died died so we would have true spiritual liberation freedom in the spirit is the invention of god it is the first eye that is found in this passage of scripture where god says i there's that i i will what are you going to do god he said i'm going to tell you some stuff here's what i'm going to do here's the first one i will set you free because of the blood i shed in my covenant with you 
So that means, here's the good news to you, that no matter what the devil says, that blood can save anybody. Anybody that wants to can be free. Because whoever the Son sets free is free indeed. In all deeds. In all ways. So those of you that would consider yourself as a low-down, rotten, nasty sinner, guess what? God can save you. And He wants to. He died to. He can't wait to set you free. No matter how terrible you've been, no matter what you've done, where you've gone the bad decisions you've made, the circumstance you find yourself in today, maybe you've made some really bad decisions and your life is a mess, I'm telling you that God's eye of invention has come to set you free and you can all be free today. That's a good word. The eyes of God are upon us. Freedom is the invention of God. He knew how desperately that we were going to need freedom from sin and from self and from sorrow. And so he purchased freedom for us with the blood of a sinless sacrifice. It's the first eye. It's the invention of freedom. We're free because whoever the Son sets free is free indeed. The second eye of God is this. God's instruction. The instruction of God. We have the invention of God, which is freedom. We have the instruction of God, which is simple. It's simple. It's real simple. How many dads this Christmas sat down on Christmas Eve when the kids went to sleep to put together toys? The kids were going to think they were heavenly, but the toys putting them together was from hell. And when you finished with that tricycle... Your wife said, it don't look right. Did you read the instructions? Well, no. Well, how come you have a bolt and two washers and a couple of nuts left over and the handlebars are on backwards? Well, it just looked right to me. Surely nobody is going to raise your hand. I, I don't want you to. You don't have to. But if I was to call for sinners on Christmas Eve that said bad words... That Santa could not hear. Over toys that brought their children great joy the next day. There would be a lot of hands. Why? Because instructions aren't always easy to follow. Sometimes we just don't do it. Sometimes we just automatically discard them right off the bat, don't we? It's a spiritual thing too. You know, I got this word, but I'm not necessarily going to look at it. I'm going to depend on what the preacher tells me once a week. He'll tell me enough. I mean, there's no need me getting all up in that all week long. I don't need the instruction of God. It's good, huh? But here's what's so cool about the instruction of God. The instructions of God are easy. They're not like trying to put a tricycle together. They're not like trying to assemble a swing set. The instructions of God are very simple. Let me show you what they are. He says in those verses that I just read to you, just return to me. Though you are captive to sin, there is hope for you. It's the second eye. It's instruction. He's saying that if you will come to him, or in some of your cases, come back to him, then he has hope for you. What is the instruction? Go down here, take a left, take a right, 
stop at the store. There's a green light. Then you got to No, it's real simple. Just come to me. What's the instruction of God? Come to me. Or if you're out there somewhere else and you used to be here, but you've wandered away, come back to me. That's the instructions of God. A lot, 66 books, hundreds of chapters, thousands of verses, all to tell you one thing. I love you. I want to save you. Come to me. How do I get to you, Lord? Well, there's only one way. That's what makes it so easy. There's just one way. Come through Jesus. Just repent of your sin and come through Jesus. And that's it. Those are the instructions. You don't have to fret. You don't have to read 75 books. You don't have to go to seminars. You don't have to be a Bible college graduate. You don't have to have a master's or a PhD. You just have to come to Jesus. How? Just like you are. You don't have to get good enough to come. You come right now. Because he'll take you just like you are. And if he don't like something about the way you're living, he'll tell you about it later on and get you changed. Won't need me to tell you. He won't need your neighbor to tell you. The Holy Spirit dwelling in you will tell you what he does not like about how you're living. He'll remind you of that. And if you'll listen, he'll get you right. His instructions are always simple. Hmm. It's not too late for you. You've not gone too far away. He still sees you and loves you and knows you. He still calls to you just to come back to hope. There's always hope. Your, your life can be blessed. Your call can be fulfilled. Your soul can be at rest in Jesus because there's hope. If you follow the instruction of God, hope is yours. It's the second eye. Come to Jesus. Come back to Jesus. Pastor, I had a call on my life, but I wandered away from the Lord. Now I feel like I've missed his perfect will and he'll never be able to use me. That's not true. You might have missed what he had for you at that moment, but he's got something else on down the road. It's never too late to come to Jesus and now is the place to start. If you think God's called you to do something and you've messed up too much, let me tell you, I'm the proof that that is not true. You can't mess up too much, I'm convinced, or else I wouldn't be here today. The second eye is instruction. The third eye is incentive. God's incentive. Why would I want to do that, God? He has provided freedom. He says, if I come back to him, I have hope. But why would I want to do that? And God says, well, okay, let me give you incentive. This is an incentive that he lists for us that a, that a pay raise cannot compete with. Remember when I was younger, I used to get so excited when they'd give me a new title at my job. I worked so hard. Wasn't smart enough to realize that they were giving me titles so they didn't have to give me money. Anybody ever had that kind of job? You've been doing such a fine job, we're going to promote you. Awesome. Now you get to be such and such and you get more responsibility. Doesn't come with a pay raise, but we got our eyes on you. You're going somewhere. Yeah, find a new job. When I wake up and get enough sense to realize what you're doing to me. Huh? Incentives. Incentives are important, aren't they? You say, if you, you want me to stay happy and stay excited, you don't, you call me whatever you want, but give me more money. 
That's what's going to take to get me excited about this job, huh? That's how a lot of people are. We need incentives. It's a natural thing. And so God says, I have an incentive for you. If you'll return to me, guess what I'm going to do to you? You return to me and I'll return to you double blessings. That sounds like a pretty good idea. You making that up, preacher? No, you got a Bible? Look at it. It's right there. How many of us could use double blessings from God this morning? I'm not just talking about money because we always go there. It's where always our mind always go there. No, no, no. I'm talking about something else. There's a lot of things in life that are far more important than money. Did you know that? You know what's important than money? More important than money? Peace. Hope. Joy. Fulfillment. Worth. Value. He says to those of you that will return to him, either come to him or come back to him, regardless of whichever one it needs to be, wherever you're at, if you will do that, he says to you, you know that peace you've been looking for? How would you like to have it in double measure? You know that rest you've been praying for? How would you like to have double measure of that rest? How would you like to have double the amount of peace? Double the joy? It's the incentive of God. The promise of double blessings to these people. Those that will return, he says, and abide in the fortress. The fortress is himself. Number four, God's intention. It's the fourth eye, intention. This eye is twofold. Still with me? Wave at me if you're still out there. Hmm? Still with me? We're about to wrap this up. Just hang on. We understand the invention, instruction, the incentive. But what is God's intention? After I do this, then what is he going to do? Why is he doing this? He, he's, he's told me he's got freedom. He's got hope for me. He's got double blessings for him. But why is he doing this? Why would he do this for me? Well, God has a reason. It's his intention. God has intention. Intentionality. This I is twofold. He says, my intention is, A, I will stir you up. That should be your prayer. God, stir me up. I need to be stirred up. Not just so I'll be angry at the devil, but I I need to be stirred to action. I need to constantly, continuously be being stirred to remain vigilant, to be on guard, to be ready, to be watching. You know what happens if you don't stir up the gravy every once in a while? It gets nasty. Huh? That's why y'all that like coffee. I can't drink coffee. I'm not old enough yet. My kids all the time trying to get me to drink coffee. Say, Dad, you'll like this. We're going to put ice cream in. I say, why are you going to ruin the ice cream putting coffee on? Just give me the ice cream. Keep the coffee. I like the ice cream. I just don't like the coffee. Why are you going to mess it up? I'll tell you something. You stir up the coffee every once in a while because it needs it. You stir up the You stir up the soup every once in a while because it needs it. I'll tell you one's kind of nasty. We don't hardly eat, no, a lot of folks probably don't eat a lot of this anymore. We used to eat that, that old pudding. Make that pudding and you didn't, if you didn't wrap it, you put it in the refrigerator and you went in and had that old film on top of it. That elastic thing you could take off the top and kind of do this. You know what happens to things that aren't stirred? stirred? They get stale. They get stagnant. They get nasty. 
don't they? They just sit. What's God look? He, God looking at us sometimes, to those of his children that don't want to get stirred up, he's looking at them sometimes like, mm, that's just nasty. I like them, but they're nasty. I like gravy, but it's nasty. You just stir that up. And so God says, my intention in all of this is to get you to the place where I can stir you up. So I can make you ready. I can make you good. I can make you pleasing. I can make you acceptable. I can make you usable. If we don't stir you up before long, guess what we're going to have to do? Throw it out. If we don't keep it stirred up and we let it sit too long, we're going to have to throw it out. But if we keep it stirred up, some of y'all way ahead of me because you're too smart. We got the Holy Ghost that comes around every once in a while and stirs us up like he did last Sunday so that we can be fresh and we can be ready. He intends to stir us up. And the second part of that intentionality, letter B, is he says, I will stir you and then I will use you like a warrior's sword. And I thought about that when I thought that's exactly the way I want to be used. I thought about a soldier back in the day when this was written. Today's, how would that, how would that equate to today? I, I, I guarantee if we brought our veterans up here to the platform right now, we said to them, we're sending you into battle and we're either going to give you a pocket knife or an AK-47. Which would you rather have? Huh? You say, well, that's stupid. You know they're going to take the gun. And when Zechariah talked about this, he knew they'd take the sword. What, what, what else did they have? What's, which would you warriors rather have? He lined up and said, which would you war, warriors rather have? How many of you want a bow and arrow? Well, bow and arrow is great as long as they're way over there. But if they get up here close, I'm going to have a hard time beating them to death with an arrow. Huh? You don't want a bow and arrow. You don't want a shield. Why don't you want a shield? It's hard to cut somebody up with a shield. I'm just hitting them with a shield. I'm just protecting myself with a shield, but I can't beat nobody down with a shield. Not like I want. But give me a sword. Give me a two-edged, sharpened-up sword that won't break, and it won't bend, and it won't become dull under pressure. Give me a sword that I can wield, and I can slash, and I can cut, and I can move forward, and I can get close, and, and, and I can threaten, and I can, and I can overwhelm. Give me a sword. And so he says, I'm going to stir you up and I'm going to use you like a soldier's, a warrior's sword. That's the most valuable weapon in his arsenal. So when I pray, I'm not praying, oh God, make me a bean flip. Please God, make me a slingshot. Lord, I want you to use me. I'm asking you to make me a BB gun so I can fight the devil. Huh? You, you know, I'm going to tell you something. If you, all you have, if all you are is a BB gun, hell is not all that afraid of you. If all you are is a willow switch, it might be a, an awesome weapon to behold in the hand of your mother. Some of y'all remember those days, don't you? Some of the rest of you are like, what is that, child abuse? He talking about child abuse now? I want a sword. So when I'm praying, I'm saying, God, I want to be the most valuable weapon in your arsenal. I want to be able to cut and slash. And I want to be able to charge. 
I don't want to be hiding behind a shield somewhere, bent over in a fetal position, waving a white flag and begging Jesus to hurry and come quick. I want to be out on the front line wielding a sword. I want to be the sword. Hmm. So this is the last eye of God. It's his intention to stir you up and to use you. I was reading about a story that took place in the Civil War. Abraham Lincoln made a statement one time. He said he could get any number of men who were willing. Listen to this. This is funny. He didn't mean it that way, but it's funny now. It wasn't in. He said he could get all kinds of people that were willing to shed their last drop of blood. His problem was he couldn't find anybody that was willing to shed their first drop. Hmm. All kinds of people, we say to them, what is your intention about you and God? I die for the Lord. Why won't you live for him then? You're going to die for him, but you don't live for him? How are you going to die for him if you don't live for him? You're not strong enough to live for him. You, what makes you think you're going to die for him? What are your intentions? God's intentions are these. He's not only willing to give his last drop, he's willing to give his first and all the other ones in between. He allows the, the blood of his son to be shed every last drop for these eyes. All of the eyes of God are upon you. Some of y'all Texas Walker Ranger fans just broke into that song, didn't you? And the eyes of the ranger are upon you. I know why you thought about it, because I did. And I know some of y'all are just as messed up as I am. You need to rewrite that. And the eyes of the Father are upon you. Some of you probably will do that. and You'll come back and sing it to me next week. The eyes of God are upon us to watch to see how we're going to respond to his word. Because he shares with us his, his invention, his instruction, his incentive, his intentions. And he promises, I'm going to set you free. I'm going to give you hope. I'm going to give you double blessings. I'm going to stir you up. I'm going to use you like a, a, a warrior sword if you will come to me. Now, that's a challenge to anybody. That doesn't make any difference where you're at in this. If, you, if, you're, just, if you're just now coming to the Lord this morning or if you've been walking with him a long time, it's, this message gets us all. This gets everybody as we all want to wind up being the warrior sword. Now, let me show you something, and we're, and we're going to finish this up. Let's go back to the beginning now and talk about how that this word was prophetic. Zechariah prophesied that Jesus would come and here's how they would know him. He would be riding on the donkey and so forth. And guess what? That came to pass. It happened just like he said it was going to, didn't it? So my point is this. If, if the, the, the prophetic coming of Jesus the first time happened, then why wouldn't the prophetic coming the second time that's been prophesied not happen. What do you mean? He said he was coming and he did. He said he's coming back and he is. The second coming is just as sure as the first. The first we have proof has already happened, but the second one is no less true than the first. He's coming back. Church, churches and pastors have been saying that forever, preacher. It's not going to be in my lifetime. Oh, it might. 
there's a whole lot less to prohibit him from coming now than back when you were worried about it in the 70s. A lot of prophecy has taken place in these last 2,000 years. Everything he said he was going to do, he has done. Everything that remains that is not done yet is going to happen because he is true. His, his word is true and can be and must be believed. So what are we going to do? Well, we better receive the eyes of God, hadn't we? He's coming. He's coming for a church that's prepared. He's coming for a bride that's ready, that's prepared itself to meet him. It's coming. The eyes of God are on us. What are we going to do? God has given us these eyes and has promised these things. What are we going to do? Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. So we can receive this word in the spirit. Let's think about this for a minute. Let's think about this for a minute. Maybe you're the one who didn't get much further past number one this morning because of where you are. Maybe you hung up on number one because when you heard about that invention of freedom, struck a chord with you because you've never experienced that in your life. You've been living your life apart from the presence of God. And that freedom sounds mighty good to you. Maybe the reason you're apart from God is because you never asked him to come into your heart. Maybe it's because you did, but you wandered away from him. Either way, the invention of God is freedom. And God simply says to you, come to me or come back to me. And if you will, there's hope. There's always hope. So we start right there give you an opportunity to respond to the word this morning if you say pastor i desperately need the freedom of god in my life i need to receive christ as my savior and i'm ready i'm ready to sacrifice i'm ready to to give my all to jesus i'm not just going to do this because i'm afraid of going to hell i'm talking about i'm ready to serve him as my lord my god i'm ready to give him my life then if that's the case you're ready you really are ready if you're ready to give your whole life, your whole being to God, then you are ready to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And you're the one he promises freedom to today. True freedom. So before I go any further, I'm, I'm opening up the altar to any of those who would say, Pastor, I need to accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I need to come to Jesus and repent of my sins. Or I'm that one that did this a long time ago, but I've walked so far away from the Lord, I, I just got to come back. I've got to make things right with the Lord. I've got to be back in right fellowship with God. Then this is your time right now. Whoever you are, don't wait any further, but get up. Get up from where you are and come down and kneel around these altars and just begin to talk to Jesus. Just ask him to forgive you of your sin. If that's you, you get up and you come on. set free I need to have hope 
I need the invention and the instruction of God. How about those of you that need the incentive? I'm serving him. I'm serving him. But last week when y'all were shouting, last week when y'all were worshiping, I was struggling. Last week when y'all were in it, I was struggling. Because my joy wasn't where your joy is. My rest was not complete. My peace was definitely not your peace. I need the incentive of God. I need the double blessing. I need the rest, the help, the joy, the peace, the comfort. If that's you, then now's your time. Come on. Come on. The altars are open. Come on. You need the incentive of God. You need the blessing of the double blessing. Come on. And then how many of you would respond to the intention of God that says, if you'll let me, I will stir you up. How many of you would say, I need to be stirred up today. I I need to be stirred up. I love him, but I need to be stirred up. I, I gotta be I gotta be in a bad spot that doesn't look good to him. I, I want him to stir me up and I want him to use me like a, a a warrior sword. How many would how many would say that that one's you? Get up, get up from your seat and come. Any one of these, any one of these now, it doesn't matter which they are, any one of these that you will respond to, the Holy Spirit speak in your heart, then come, come right now, come down to these altars. Come down and let God do his work in your life. You need the freedom, you need the hope, you need the blessing, you need to be stirred up, you need to become the warrior, whatever God, whatever it is, he's speaking to your heart. But I do know that there's a bunch of you if you will come, there's a lot more than what's down here right now. That God is pleading and he's speaking to you and he's beckoning you, and he's drawing you to himself. Will you be drawn? Will you be drawn by the Spirit? Will you respond to His Word? And all across this room, will you just keep on coming? Just keep coming. And and what we're going to do is we're going to have... Neil's going to lead us again in worship, and we're just going to allow the Holy Spirit to do His work in your life. And whatever it is you have need of, this is what you're seeking this morning. This is why you've come. You just remind the Lord of why you're here. Why you've come down. Tell Him where that you feel like you've lacked. Tell Him where you feel that you've, that you've not been what you need to be. To, to ask Him to stir you up all over this room. Ask God to stir you up. Ask Him to use you like the warrior sword. Let's pray.